This morning our scripture reading is going to come from John 10. And I took the prerogative, I'm sorry to do this, to change the verses a little bit. So if you have your Bible with you, you can follow along with that reading. Uh, but it will be John 10 verses 1 through 21. Very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is, is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? O oh Lord, open our eyes to behold marvelous things in your word. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Unite our hearts in the love of Christ for his church. In his name we pray. Amen. Today we continue our series on the metaphors of the Church of Christ. We're going to look at how Jesus describes his church as his flock, that is, as a flock of sheep. Now in John chapter 10, Jesus gives us really this wonderful picture of Jesus and his relationship with his people. But it's always interested me, at least, as to why Jesus chose uh, this metaphor and the sense of calling himself a shepherd. Um, you may have known, you may know this, maybe you don't, but in the first century, Israel's shepherds occupied a really low rung on the social, social strata of Israelite society. They were often viewed with suspicion, even disdain, 
because of their transient lifestyle. They were out in the countryside, they weren't around people, they probably smelled like sheep, didn't go over well when we were visiting with others. My point is that Jesus chose though a category of people or a profession that was looked down on uh, and, and, and used that to describe his relationship with his people. Why, why did he do that though? I think it's obvious the reason he chose that category or, or chose that profession is because the Old Testament, of course, uses this metaphor consistently throughout the books. Uh, we, you were here last, a few months back in November, I think it was, where we went through Psalm 23. And, and Psalm 23 is sort of that classic picture of the shepherd being God and the sheep being God's people. Most of us, of course, don't ha have not had or don't have a lot of experience with sheep, uh, other than maybe the occasional petting zoo, like the Bronx Zoo, or somewhere else like that. Um, I don't think anyone in here works with sheep that I know of. Um, if you do, I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> but, um, I, and I would be greatly surprised. But um, yeah, so we don't know a lot about sheep. We don't really know much about them, their workings, how they work together, or how they even work with a shepherd. But maybe if you're like me, uh, you have seen sort of on YouTube or on Instagram reels a sheep behaving badly. Now, particularly rams, which is the male sheep, which like to really headbutt anything around them, right? They'll headbutt other sheep, they headbutt cows and people. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen videos of unsuspecting adults run over by uh, these male sheep. I, I, I watch them, I don't know why I find them amusing. Uh, it says probably something about me, but um, hopefully not about you, but about me. Um, but regardless, uh, Sheep are, sheep are strange a little bit. They do strange things, not things that you would expect. Sheep are also herd animals and flock together for safety and security. Sheep don't do well if they're isolated from other sheep. They need each other to, to really to thrive. And if they're isolated from other sheep, they become anxious and agitated. Not only are we not knowledgeable about sheep, but I doubt very many of us are really knowledgeable about shepherds. You know, I've never met a shepherd in person, and I have no idea what a modern shepherd might even look like or do in this world. Though I have seen, I do understand that around the world, modern shepherds still exist. There are still many places in the world where shepherds work with sheep on a fairly regular basis. Now, maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen, seen that sort of depicts this picture of a shepherd and its sheep is the movie Babe. Now, it's a children's movie. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, but uh, our family watched it in the early 2000s when Nathan was young, and it's a movie we love, and I highly recommend it to you. Um, there's hardly any talking in it other than animals, so um, it's a great, it's a, it's a good little movie, and it, and it has this great picture between shepherd and sheep. Now, the distinction about this movie, if you've not seen it, is that Babe is the name of a pig. And Babe was won by Farmer Hoggett at a fair. The farmer brings Babe home thinking that within a year, he and his wife are going to have some very scrumptious bacon to eat. Now, you have to understand this guy was, the farmer wasn't just a farmer. He also raised sheep. Um, he had a sheep dog to train the sheep and make the sheep do what he, what he wanted. And the one day Farmer Hoggett, though, gets this crazy idea. And he's a rather strange individual in the movie, but he gets this crazy idea that Babe, this piglet, about a three-month, six-month-old pig, would make an excellent sheepdog. And so he begins to employ Babe as his sheepdog to see if this experiment is going to work or not. 
And Babe, in essence, in the movie, takes on the role of a shepherd. On his first attempt, on Babe's first attempt to shepherd the sheep, all the sheep begin laughing at him. They're just looking, they look at him, they see a pig, they don't see a dog, and they're just laughing and making fun of him. So Babe runs back over to the dogs, and he's talking to his, the mama dog that raised him, and this is what the mama dog says to Babe. She tells Babe that he has to dominate the sheep, make them feel inferiors, insult them, bite them even, do whatever it takes to make the sheep obey. Now Babe, of course, is a little skeptical of his mom's advice as he doesn't really think that sheep are inferior to him. He's a pig, obviously. So. <laughs> Eventually, uh, so Babe goes out with his mom's advice and he goes up to the pigs and he's growling at them and he's barking at them as a dog. And the sheep are just laughing at him, making fun of him. And so he gets really angry and he runs up and he bites the leg of one of these sheep. And the sheep that he's a friend with calls him out and says, what are you doing? And Babe backs off and says, oh, I'm acting like a wolf. I'm acting like a dog. And they, through this relationship he has with the sheep, Babe begins to learn that sheep need compassion and patience. And through his leadership, the sheep in the movie learn to work together as a community and overcome their fears and their differences. Now, that's sort of a funny analogy to say, this is sort of what's going on in John chapter 10, right? In John chapter 10, Jesus is cast as the good shepherd, the one who can empathize with the sheep, the one who knows the sheep's needs, the only one who can unite the sheep, and the one willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for the sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd, and we are the flock. We are the church of God. Today, we're going to look at three areas this passage brings out for us. First, I want us to look at the shepherd's authority. Secondly, that sheep are valuable. And then lastly, the security of the sheep. Now, I want to approach the shepherd's role from the perspective of who the shepherd is. There's so much here in these verse 21 verses of John 10 that speak about the authority of the shepherd. In the first two verses of John 10, Jesus states that anyone who enters the sheepfold by any means other than through the gate is a thief and a robber. While the one who enters through the gate is the true shepherd of the sheep. Jesus' authority comes from being the true shepherd. He is the promised shepherd of Psalm 23. He is the fulfillment of prophecy as the one born in Bethlehem from the line of David. As the one promised to the virgin in Isaiah 7. And one in Isaiah 9 called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the promised Messiah who came in righteousness and holiness, keeping the whole law for you and me. He entered the sheepfold by the gate because he's the true shepherd of the sheep. And as the true shepherd of the flock, he has rightful authority over his sheep. Secondly, notice that Jesus' authority stems from who he claims to be. In the Gospel of John, there are seven famous I am statements. Two of them are found in our text today. When Jesus says, I am the gate, and that I am the good shepherd, he is referring to this passage in Exodus 3. The I am statement in Exodus refers to self, the self-designation that God uses when speaking to Moses at the burning bush. When Moses asked God what name he should give to the Israelites when they asked them, asked Moses who sent him, God says to Moses, God replies, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The phrase, I am who I am, signifies God's self-existence, his eternal nature, and his unchanging character. The name emphasizes God's sovereignty, authority, and transcendence over all of creation. So when Jesus says, I am, so when Jesus uses, I'm sorry, when Jesus uses I am about himself, he does it to affirm his divine nature and identify himself as the son of God. He is the good shepherd, and his authority comes from the fact that he is God incarnate, and he is our good shepherd. And as our good shepherd, he values us. He loves us. He died for us. Now, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? You probably don't think about this much, but what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you are thinking about sheep from a biblical perspective? I know you guys often do this, but just you know, humor me. What comes to your mind when you're thinking about sheep from a biblical perspective? Now, the first thing that usually comes to our mind, is, and because we often hear this in church or from a pastor, you've heard it from me as well, is that sheep are stupid. <laughs> right? Sheep are stupid. We, like I said, we've all heard this before. If you've been around church enough, you've heard this before. And that's true, of course, on one level. But that is not what this passage is teaching us today. Jesus is teaching us that sheep are valuable here, that sheep are beloved. If they were not valuable, Jesus would not be contrasting the good shepherd with thieves, robbers, and hired hands. The thieves and robbers are there to steal the sheep. Why are they there to steal the sheep? Because the sheep are valuable. Now, of course, how are sheep really valuable? Well, they're valuable because they provide money, they provide food, right? They provide clothing to the shepherd. Jesus is a good shepherd who loves his sheep, and he is willing to lay down his life for his sheep because they are valuable to him. Do you see that Jesus uses this metaphor to show us how valuable and important we are to him? How valuable and important his flock is to him? Comparing us to sheep isn't to give us an inferiority complex, but rather to show us how much Jesus treasures us and loves us. Think about how he values you. Jesus willingly laid down his life for his flock. And then he took up his life again to establish the church as one, with one shepherd. This was not some last-minute plan of God. This was God's intent from the beginning. That, G that he would send his son in the likeness of man to die for you and me. To bring us into relationship with him. To bring us into eternal security in heaven with him. God put his plan into action to save his flock, to save his lost sheep, to save you and me. How, how valued and beloved are his sheep? Jesus willingly laid down his life that we might have abundant life in him. Not just life, but it takes us for full life, abundant life in Jesus. That's who he is as our shepherd. When Jesus talks about having life to the full or having abundant life, he's referring to life that is rich. That's meaningful and overflowing the blessing from God. The, this abundant life encapsulates or encompasses all of our spiritual blessings. Peace, joy, faithfulness, gentleness, love, eternal salvation. All of that is a blessing that we receive from our good shepherd. Not to mention the material blessings that we have. All come from the hand 
of our concern. Our value as sheep isn't about who we are, but rather who he is as the shepherd. He is the great equalizer of the flock. Yes, he has equipped us and has given us gifts to use in his kingdom for his church, but, these, but those gifts really are but an extension of him. They, are not, they, they say nothing about us, but rather about the one whom we follow. We are also valuable because Jesus knows each one of us by name. Now that's true just about any shepherd in his time and even today, where sheep, cows, whatever, herd animals will know and respond to the voice of their shepherd. Jesus knows us by name, and he knows, because he knows us by name, he knows our unique struggles and our unique troubles, unique troubles with life. He knows what we need. And this is a great thing about the shepherd. He knows the need of the whole flock. And he will provide all, all that we need, from friendship to love, peace, and contentment, all that we need because he's our good shepherd. He loves us. He values us. He cares for us. He provides for us. And lastly, we are valued because we follow the shepherd. When the sheep respond to the shepherd's voice, the shepherd's words, they inevitably not only come nearer to him, but they come nearer to one another. We all have one and the same loving shepherd. We belong together because he's called us together. And although we may, have a we may not have common interests in life, we have heard the same voice and we respond to the same shepherd. We recognize the same need for the same shepherd to protect and care for us. And we know that we have one shepherd who will lead us by his word and his spirit. We, as his flock, depend on him. And as we depend and rest on him, we are blessed both individually, but especially together. Jesus is our good shepherd. And the good shepherd, this, the word for good shepherd, the Greek word for good shepherd could even be translated here as the chief shepherd. There's no other shepherds like Jesus. The sheep know their chief shepherd because they know his voice. They know his word. The sheep find security in knowing and responding to the voice of the shepherd. And the reason they, have, they, they find security in that because they know his voice and they know that the shepherd values them, the shepherd loves them, and the shepherd is going to lead them into a place of safety and protection from their enemies. Jesus is the gate, and we can find security as his flock when we come through his gate. How do we enter through the gate? When you respond to the gospel of grace, the gate swings wide open because only his sheep that recognize his voice, his authority can come into his sheep pen. Understand, when the sheep came into the sheep pen, the shepherd slept across the doorway of the sheep pen. The sheep couldn't go out without the shepherd knowing. And more importantly, the wolves couldn't come in because the shepherd blocked the door. The flock finds security in their good shepherd because he promises to protect us and care for us. In John 10, 27 and 28, which we did not read, Jesus continued with this metaphor. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. As the good, as the good shepherd, Jesus protects his sheep from spiritual dangers and threats. 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, he says. No one can take them out of my, man, out of my hand, he says, because he has power alone to save. His sheep come to him, and they are safe. We can be secure in him, because he is our chief good shepherd. As one pastor said, when Jesus is, what Jesus is saying here is that his people will respond to his voice, and they will never be stolen away. They will not be left behind. We will not be overlooked or snatched away. There is no such thing as an incomplete salvation. And we're about to sing a song by Indelible Grace, uh, which takes an old hymn called A Debtor to Mercy Alone and puts it in new music. And we're going to sing that during uh, communion. In the song, the writer says that when we get to heaven, and this is in the third verse, so notice this, but when we get to heaven, that we will be happier but no more secure. That we will be happier, but no more secure. That means that we are right now just as secure in our salvation as we will be in heaven. We may be fearful, we may be weak, we may be broken people, but we are secure and we will not be lost. Because the good shepherd knows his sheep and he's laid down his life for his people. Let me draw this to a close by just asking us as the flock of Christ, who guides you or who do you follow? Friends, it's intrinsic in human nature to follow someone or something. You know, whether it's an individual, a philosophy, or even our own desires, we all follow something. We are often guided by influences that shape our decisions and ultimately our lives. The key for us is to, is to be mindful of whom or what voices we follow. Look, Jesus invites us to listen to his voice and follow his guidance. In a world filled with various influences and distractions, Jesus offers a clear path forward for us. By heeding his voice, we can find true purpose and true meaning in life. Church, Jesus knows his sheep. And his sheep recognize and follow his voice. His sheep don't follow false shepherds or hired hands because they know the voice of the good shepherd. Do you know your shepherd's voice? Do you know his words? I, rem I remember many years back uh, going to a neighbor's house and praying with Karen. You know, the great-grandmother attended our church with her great-grandkids, great uh, a, a boy and a girl. Her oldest daughter and her oldest grandson didn't attend church, and they were very dysfunctional, very broken people who were alcoholics. Um, but on this visit, we were talking with the son, whose name was Jenya, and Jenya, we offered him and gave him a Bible uh, for him to read, and, and we encouraged him to do that. We were excited later on when we came back, and uh, Jenya was home, and we were talking with the family, and Jenya said to us, you know what, that Bible you gave me has made such a difference in my life. God is teaching me so much. And we were sort of gobsmacked a little bit, like, wow, really? Are you kidding me? Um, and we asked it, we asked him, how, how is God teaching you? What is God teaching you? He said this. Every night I put that Bible underneath my pillow, and God teaches me about himself. And I'm thinking through osmosis. What? What? He wasn't reading the Bible. He was treating it as a magical charm that could protect him. 
Of course, we wouldn't go that far, but do we treat Scripture the same way? Do we treat the voice, of, the voice of God, the Word of God, the same way as if it has some magical powers to grow us without ever engaging with it, without ever reading it, without ever listening to it? When it sits up on our shelves and we never pull it down, we're treating it the same way as Jenny was when he stuck it under his pillow. Following Jesus means knowing his words, applying his words, and living out his word. We can't know Jesus without knowing his word. You can't know his will without knowing his word. We can't distinguish false prophets without knowing the true words of the chief shepherd. Do you know his word? Are you reading it? Are you meditating on it? Are you listening to it? Are you applying it to your life and to your situations in life? Following Jesus means aligning ourselves with his teachings his examples of love, compassion, and righteousness. Jesus stands as our compassionate shepherd. He recognizes his flock. He nurtures us. He sacrifices life to atone for our sins and to forgive us our transgressions. He alone grants a life of abundance and blessing. The crucial question remains, do you know his word? Will you follow his word? All other paths are sinking sand and lead to discontentment and ultimate ruin. We hold great worth in the eyes of the great shepherd, and we are secure under his authority and power. But will you heed his voice? Will you follow him? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for giving us a good shepherd who leads us with love, kindness, and compassion. Thank you that in him we are secure, we are safe and we are valuable as your people saved by grace. May your words become light and life to us. May we know them even as we are known by you. And may your words transform us as your people into the likeness of our good shepherd. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.